Welcome to Counterintelligence. This is Eric LeVay. Today's guest is Professor Ruth Ben-Ghiat, an expert in authoritarianism at New York University. Forensic News thanks our Patreons Angela J., Craig P., and Jim R. Support Forensic News and Counterintelligence on Patreon. Without further ado, here's the show. Professor Ruth Ben-Ghiat, welcome to Counterintelligence. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, so, Professor, you're an expert in history and uh, you're a professor in history and authoritarianism. Uh, I was wondering, I want to ask you the big picture question first, which is, in your professional opinion, uh, what about Donald Trump? Uh, what authoritarian kind of qualities does he have, for lack of a better phrase? Uh, Donald Trump, in his personality and his methods, um, he pretty much maps onto the authoritarian personality 100%. Wow. Um, he doesn't have the control of the government that past uh, people had, uh, or somebody like Putin or even Orban, but he, his attitudes toward the press, his use of violent language, causing, uh, calling the press uh, traitors, his demand for absolute loyalty from everyone who is around him, and his bullying, um, uh, many things uh, are his distrust of his own intelligence services uh, and <sighs> attitude, you know, toward uh, anyone who doesn't agree with him. All of this maps on to uh, authoritarian leaders. So, and I'm just curious, when you, when all this started, let's say, as, as an expert in this, did you see this coming from the minute he came down the escalator? Or when did you, I mean, when, when, did, when did he first jump out as that type of person to you? I started writing about him pretty early in 2015, uh, the fall of 2015. And the first thing I noticed was I saw some video of one of his rallies. Hmm. And he was having people do the loyalty oath. And it was very clear to me that he was cultivating a, a kind of personality cult. Hmm. So, um, so his behavior at rallies, the way he was uh, rallying them up to have enemies, mm. um, all of this seemed very familiar to me. And then when he started retweeting uh, neo-Nazi, you know, anti-Semitic, anti-immigrant propaganda, basically racist propaganda mm. from right-wing sources, this was also a big sign. So I started doing some op-eds for CNN already in the fall of 2015. Yeah, I, I remember that propaganda well, and I—I I mean, I, I'm Jewish, and when I saw that, I—I just—I, you know, like the alarm bells start going off. I was like, wait a minute, like the whole one with the the quote unquote sheriff star, and I guess it's just still shocking that this whole thing even happened. I mean, that, I, I you know, we can all remember times where. Okay, <laughs> What happened? Howard Dean spoke too loudly and his campaign was over. Whatever happened to that? Um, yeah, what what happens in history is sometimes there are these moments and they're usually moments of some kind of transition um, in society where certain people feel threatened, mm -hmm. often white males, mm -hmm. especially white Christian males. And these characters come up uh, in into politics. Often they come from outside of politics. Um, they're not professional politicians. And they kind of coalesce all of these anxieties, dissatisfactions, and hatreds that were in the culture. And they 
they have this charisma and this ability to kind of have everything swirl around them. And that's why I say coalesce. Mm. And once they uh, get into power, they have great, great ability to harness and direct people's hatreds, Mm. which is what we're seeing in our country. And one of the most um, telling things is that lots of Americans were already anti-immigrant. Lots of Americans were anti-Semitic, anti-Muslim. But one hatred that um, Trump has been able to kind of whip up, not out of nowhere, but um, certainly in an unprecedented uh, manner, is hatred toward the press. Mm. Because there was always... The, the kind of Fox News uh, conservative shading into right-wing radio that that didn't trust the liberal media, but there was no no level of hatred with threats and T-shirts that say, you know, let's hang journalists. This is all Donald Trump's doing. So that's very notable that he has been able to have this power over people to um, marshal these feelings, and that's the scariest thing. In other uh, examples in history, was have other authoritarian-style leaders been that successful at demonizing the press, or do you think that this is he's different in that respect? Uh, uh, all, all of the authoritarian leaders demonize the press, and they have very good reasons for doing so in their minds, because when they're still getting power or until they uh, kind of domesticate the press, like Putin's mm-hmm. been able to do— mm-hmm. Um, attacking and trying to delegitimize and de- discredit the press is a kind of insurance policy for them mm. because most of them are very corrupt and they know very well that they are they have lots of secrets they don't want uncovered. So when those things come to light because of investigative journalists, for mm. example, they need people to already be indoctrinated to hate the press. Right. So Trump's been extraordinarily successful with the full you know, support of Rupert Murdoch and Fox, who has, he has a very symbiotic relationship with Fox, unlike anything I've seen, (laughs) even in regimes, I would say. Wow. So he's been very successful at doing this. And, uh, and that's, whatever happens to Trump, that's going to be a big problem for our country. You know, just purely on the, I mean, just my brain always kind of works on the comedic level, even, even no matter what's going on. I, you referenced the these people at these Trump rallies who are wearing these shirts demonizing journalists, and I just the the comedian in me thinks what like why would you spend that much of your day upset over like I feel like we all have so much going on in our lives. I'm just like why would so much of your energy be directed towards hating somebody you don't even know? Like I just it it just seems a strange way to go about your life. I guess that's my personal commentary on that. Well, because. What these leaders do is they make people feel included by giving them a common enemy to hate. Hmm. And in the case of Trump and the journalists, all successful rulers have rituals. And their rallies, if you listen to people who go to Trump's rallies, they have a really good time. They enjoy themselves. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah. And they, they love to tra- chant locker up. Hmm. So, for example, something I found really revealing is Obviously, Trump needed to have the whole locker up thing during the campaign because this was his political opponent, Hillary Clinton. Mm. After he won, there was a little period where he would go to rallies and he would say, we don't need to do that chant anymore Mm. because it's over. But he found that because remember, he's a marketer. 
mm-hmm. everything he does, the rallies are like his focus group. Mm-hmm. So he found that it was really popular that people needed to chant, I hate the press, down with CNN, and mm-hmm. lock her up. So that that's why it seems absurd to everybody why, you know, the campaign is over. It's been over for years, and yet people are still chanting that. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, and I remember I used to work with some folks who uh, I'm sure became, this was a while ago, but I'm sure they became rabid Trump supporters. And I just remember once, you know, it's like an office environment. And I remember just making a remark once, a critical remark of President Bush. And I was shocked by the reaction I got. It was a, it, it was like a rabid type of reaction. Like I had not only, I had not criticized, I had attacked them personally and our country. And I mean, it really took me aback. I mean, that's what, it's not an attack on, it's, it's like, it's, it's really something emotional with these people, is it not? It is. And, and in the case of Bush, you, he wasn't trying on purpose to whip people up into a frenzy. What's different about Trump is he really does use the methods of authoritarian leaders. And that's why I focused on the loyalty on uh, only I can fix it. Only I am right. (laughs) This kind of thing has, has rarely been seen uh, in presidents, even corrupt ones like Nixon. Who, who had, you know, some uh, some similar personality traits, but Trump goes way beyond it. And and there's a reason, you know, his first wife, Ivana, uh, said once that, you know, in his bedroom, he only had two books. And one was, of course, The Art of the Deal. And the other was Hitler's Speeches. Wow. That's that's almost too on the nose. Like if I wrote that as a screenwriter, they would just, they would, the producer would just be like, no. But it's well, true. <laughs> I, there's a lot of ev- almost every single day now, uh, and I'm one of these people who, you know, looks through Twitter for the first round of my news gathering every day. <laughs> sure. Um, and I see things that I think are the onion. <laughs> they're, they're satire, and then they turn out not to be. There was one today. Was uh, I mean, it was the onion, but you can't tell. It was Bolton tells Iran, you know, to stop bucking under him like he was basically pumping up Iran to feel better and I was like oh I could see him doing that to so to antagonize them uh, yeah and the other thing that's really disturbing uh that happens when you have rulers like Trump is um they are not the most honest people and so they end up populating government with people who are dishonest like them and so corruption becomes much more common. Mm-hmm. You also tend to have even like felons. Uh, in fact, the, in 2018, uh, several convicted felons ran for office mm. with the GOP. You have an awful lot of people who've cycled through his cabinet who have um, uh, accusations of domestic violence, sexual assault, mm-hmm. um, including on the Supreme Court now. Yep. So this is a, a very unfortunate um effect of having somebody in office who has so much so much baggage and just just today new york magazine has a cover story of someone else who was assaulted by him years ago i read the so, article oh, i'm sorry go ahead. yeah no so this is this is a byproduct and uh in my work i'm doing which is this historical and comparative work for this book i'm writing called strongman mm. This is something that happens every time you get you get a lot of kind of criminals in office. That's absolutely fascinating. Is is the book uh, going to be coming out soon, or when when can we read this? 
Uh, it will be coming out sometime in 2020, not not before the summer. So. Uh, good, good. And by, hopefully, maybe by then we'll. I can't. I'm. I'm really looking forward to reading it, and I hope uh, maybe by then we'll have some kind of. Well, who am I kidding? We won't have any resolution on this situation, but I would, <laughs> I would, I would like to believe that. Um, I, I did want to go back to the press for a sec. I'm sure you saw as a as a frequent Twitter user, and so am I that um, uh, some members of the press are throwing a little after work drinks for uh, Sarah Huckabee. Um, I did see that. I, I think this is this <laughs> is the most misguided thing possible because I've said from the very start. Um, the first time that Trump insulted the press mm-hmm. and he told, I believe it was Jim Acosta to sit down, mm-hmm. I tweeted that based on, you know, my knowledge of these guys, these kinds of rulers, mm-hmm. what everyone needed to do was show solidarity and stand mm-hmm. up. And I guarantee you, if, if very at the very beginning, if the press had been aggressively uh, in solidarity with one another, he would be acting in slightly different manner. So to to give a party for a professional propagandist, mm. which is what Sanders and Kelly and Conway, these are professional paid propagandists. Mm. Um, to give a party for someone like that is normalizing all of their lies. Do you have as a as an expert in this topic, do you have any insight into the psychology of those particular press members, or is it the same as the psychology of any enabler of, of an authoritarian? Uh, it means somebody like uh, Sanders or, or like the uh, um, her friends in the press the, corps? Yeah, the ones in the – I'm just curious. Like, are they – is there any um, – I'm curious about their personal psychology of why they would want to, let's say, throw a party for someone who's spent – two years or a year or whatever, insulting them to their face. I mean, what, what is that? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think, uh, I think that there's always a lot of denial. Mm. I think that it's very threatening. What, what is happening in our country now is very upsetting. It's very frightening. Mm. It's threatening. So a lot of people, um, especially if they depend on access to the mm. White House right. for their doing their jobs and distinguishing right. themselves you know, versus their colleagues, they can be the most in denial of all right. uh, because they want to make nice. They want to <laughs> feel that Sarah Sanders is is not really... Uh, uh, I see these people as subversives of democracy. Right. I see them in the... I'm very hardcore about yeah. this stuff. <laughs> exactly. Um, and it, that's not an attitude a lot of people like to take, and it's easier to pretend that everything's okay and raise a glass of champagne together. And um, personal life is that one thing. You know, business is another. But the the problem is in these in these times when you have an authoritarian trying to you know take over, the personal versus the business is is very blurred. Yeah, it's very strange. I mean, I've I've watched this as as you have in in real time, and like you said, if just at the beginning they just stood together and said, you know what, no, I it, maybe you can uh, give us some historical perspective. But in other examples of authoritarianism, or let's say in other you know examples in the world, were those were those people the leaders? They just. They don't seem like very smart people, yet so many people are unable to fight them. Is it usually like that? It's 
just not it is is. one of the one of the things that um you see over and over again is that the opposition does not unite against them Mm -hmm. and the other thing that you see is that these people are bullies and everything they do is testing and challenging this Mm -hmm. is why trump said before he even had the nomination that he could stand on Fifth Avenue and shoot someone, which right. was like a very bizarre thing. Who, who in their right mind would say such a violent thing when they're trying to get the nomination? Right. But what he was doing was, was telling people he was violent and he is capable of, you know, or he's, he's capable of ordering violence right. and he's above the law. So, so that's, it's a very smart strategy. And what happens is over and over again is people get intimidated. But what I'm very sad about is the, the, a lot of the cases I study, mm-hmm. it, it, you, you have people who have taken over with paramilitaries, you have military coups, mm-hmm. and there are huge physical consequences for speaking out. You go to jail, you get beaten up. Here, we, there are no real consequences yet in that way. Right. And yet people are very um, cowardly and they don't want to speak up. They don't want to sit down when he insults someone or stand up. They don't want to do the big gesture. And that bothers me. And, and I also think that Americans don't have any idea what it's like because they can take their democracy for granted. Um, and, and the mail, a lot of the mail I get, especially early on when I was one of the first people to you know, be very outspoken. Mm. I used to get a lot of mail from people who fled regimes, Wow. Who, who fled like either communist regimes or military coups. And they would write to me and say, why are what, I thank, thank you for seeing this, but why is no one else seeing it? Yeah. It's amazing. You think of like, like an, I can imagine like, like ghosts of my ancestors who uh, met very unfortunate ends with, uh, you know, regimes like that and you're I mean they would just be like apoplectic like you know yeah so we go back to the denial which again you know people say and I'm not comparing uh, what we're going through now to the 1930s Germany sure but people say well why didn't the Jews leave when it was clear what was going on you know even in the mid 30s and there there is denial people want to believe that it's just going to be fine yeah uh, some people can't leave. They don't have the, the means to leave. But we we should know better because we have the benefit of history. And I'm, I'm you know, again, I, I go back to the, on the human level, uh, we've now learned that um, Trump was the basis for uh, the character of Biff in Back to the Future, one of the greatest movies ever. And audiences get so much, I don't know if you're a fan of the, the movies or, or not, but... Uh, there's so much enjoyment, visceral enjoyment in that movie when finally the protagonist knocks that character out and, you mm-hmm. know, audience go crazy. And I, I don't understand why in the, we have right now the real life version and anybody, I don't mean like physically that should happen, but I just mean these like going back to the White House. If you're face to face with this guy, I mean, why would you not just tell him the truth? Uh, you could become an American hero if one reporter just said, you know, you're a huge liar. Yeah, this is a source of frustration um, to many of us, including, you know, professional critics of the press like Mm -hmm. Jay Rosen Mm -hmm. or Margaret Sullivan. Um, And some of them say it's the model of journalism, which is access journalism. Mm -hmm. If you do that, you'll be you'll be banned, basically. Um, And they don't want to risk it because 
than if they're, especially if they're a White House correspondent, and they, he's already um, revoked a lot of press credentials. Yeah. And you can, if you work for a big um, outlet, you can get reassigned, but it's, it, there are, there are, Again, in my book, the consequences are very small compared to the things that I'm studying. But um, I have been very disappointed that people have these wonderful primetime on-air chances to shame him and to stand up to him, and they're just not taking – they're not taking them. It's crazy. Like, I literally would – I would give anything to be in that situation and just be able to to speak freely, like, do what I do. And uh, I don't know. maybe, Maybe Forensic News will be able to get a pass in there. Probably not, yeah. though. I'm, gu- I'm guessing it's it's hard to get approved at this point. They don't even, well. They don't even have meetings anymore, so um. they don't know. And that's a sign of they what, what these authoritarians are deathly afraid of questions, uh, and they're actually very weak people. And so they wall themselves off. They have mm. they they surround themselves with family. They hire their family and loyalists. Yeah. And they don't want to be facing the press. Uh, they all they all do this, and it's. We're we're living through this process in real time, which is pretty um, amazing <laughs> if you step back and can be objective. But it's mm-hmm. also quite frightening. Yeah. Um, what are the on the opposite uh, front? What are the characteristics of a person, uh, let's say even yourself or myself, who uh, does not respond to authoritarianism? Are there qualities in people like like that, like us? Uh, what, what do you mean? Um, uh, like. Why why does one person respond to someone like Donald Trump and someone else just, you know, would tell him to, you know, F off or whatever? Oh, that's an interesting. Um, yeah, that's like the $64,000 question. Um, <laughs> I'm curious. Yeah, it's 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 hard to say. I mean, we 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 can't just say that all Trump supporters are stupid because that's mm. absolutely not right. Sure. Um, or ignorant. That's that's really condescending. Mm. Um, they tend to be the people who are looking. For, they they feel threatened. They feel uh, that they want a savior to make things better in their lives. Mm. But um, it, some of it does have to do with education. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's a quality and then some people are more susceptible to be to respond to these charismatic male mm. um leader figures and it happens over and over again very interesting yeah um, in the in recently in the news I mean, I mean when i say recently i mean in the last week or two or have there been any any stories that stood out to you as a a further example of how this country's going down this dark road anything that jumped out at you no, there's so many things. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I'm I know. trying to think of just one. I, I'm very, I'm very worried about um, the corruption mm-hmm. and the way that um, while we're distracted um, by the Mueller report and the impeachment, um, you know, lack of impeachment proceedings. His administration is stripping America and selling it for parts. Um, the wow. EPA, there, there, there are big, big changes taking place at the level of bureaucracy, which can seem very boring to people, mm. but are very important. Um, there's been huge purges of bureaucracy where mm. people have either left because of hostile work climates mm. or they've been fired 
and he's reshaping the bureaucracy to be able to do the things he wants to do. Um, Think about who has to be working at Homeland Security Mm. to process, to do all the paperwork of this, of these kind of camps um, where kids are dying. You have to have the right kind of people there who are going to want to do that work. So that's something that's a story that's behind the scenes a Mm. little bit. Um, and I'm, I am, I am worried about that. Right, exactly. Like the footage, which has now gone semi-viral, of the United States attorney arguing, attempting to argue why kids shouldn't be able to bathe or have toothbrushes, which I know you saw. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and this because authoritarians need, um, they need bureaucrats to do their evil right. work. And what happens after a while is there's a cultural shift, and this is part of having crooks come to power. But you also have people who are, in my book, they lack morals. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't care about human life. Um, and then you get into a really bad uh, situation. Yeah. Uh, why, on that note, why are the, well, maybe you could just comment on the Democrats' strategy or whatever they're doing. I mean, any thoughts on, (laughs) yes, that's, yeah, I think we're on the same. Yeah. Go. What do you, yeah. What's going on there? I've, I've like many, uh, I've been frustrated with the, um, hesitancy of the democratic leadership to pursue impeachment hearings. And my particular reason for being frustrated is Mm. knowing the psychology and the methods of authoritarians, Mm. they only respond to forceful pushback. Exactly. And the worst thing you can do is, um, it's like the schoolyard bully, Mm. um, but magnified and with nuclear, you know, weapons. Um, The worst thing you can do is talk about maybe standing up to him in public and then not do it. Because he's just going to feel more and more empowered to do the things he wants to do, which are not going to be in the national interest. So I've, I've been quite, um, I've been quite upset about that. I keep, I keep saying that we should all chip in for a psychiatrist for not for, well, Trump needs one too, but for, for the Democrats, uh, I, I just reading the story today where Nadler, uh, Representative Nadler, was saying that it's actually good that. Hope Hicks didn't say anything because he's going to use that. And I mean, I was laughing. It was like, it was like when someone tells you the checks in the mail or the, ra- yeah. the rationalization. Yeah. And the, the problem with this is that, is that these people need to be um, forced to testify in public right. because this is also about holding them accountable. Mm-hmm. And it's very different for Hope Hicks to have to be seated with the television cameras on her Right. Um, or of course, you know all all of the the hearings and and things they they and of course the purpose of the impeachment hearings whatever happens is, is to provide the nation with um, you know a, a kind of real time record of people answering questions uh, about their wrongdoing and and this is why people feel so frustrated. Yeah. yeah. I just want to ask you two more things. Uh, the first is uh, where, in your uh, professional opinion, and as of course just you know an American, where do you see this going? Where, where are we going right now as a country? Uh, how if will we, we end up? Yeah. yeah. Well, it could be nowhere good fast if yeah. uh, Bolton gets his way and we <laughs> go to war with Iran. Mm-hmm. I. Um, 
I have, you know, various scenarios about what could happen in the election. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's be very important to um, register as many Democratic voters as possible because it's we're, we're going to need a massive win mm-hmm. um, to counter any um, manipulation that is happening and is not is being actively encouraged. Right. Um, you have passive encouragement by refusing to um, hear about Trump doesn't even want to hear about infiltration mm-hmm. and manipulation. <clears throat> so so it's very and, and one thing that's very scary is people are starting to accept that, oh, yes, we are going to just have an unfair election. So that's that's diff- that's a difficult situation. Um, I feel that if he wins again, he's going to move even faster to consolidate mm. uh, his power. Um, and we don't know what that will look like exactly, but um, I also am worried about... Uh, I, w- I was thinking the military would um, oppose him mm-hmm. more because so many retired generals have been so outspoken, but that was an early period I went through and now I feel the Pentagon is completely domesticated wow. um, and they've gotten a lot more money. They are in charge of security clearances. Um, they're agreeing to, you know, be involved with migrant removal. Yeah. So there's going to be like a forever war on the border and that will be their role. And that's not good either. So I, I, I wish I could be more um, optimistic, but because I am an optimist by nature about human beings, but but the, the I don't see unless he's simply defeated in a fair and free election, I don't see any good scenarios coming out of this. What jumped out at me is uh, what I thought was a turning point in any, everything that's happened was uh, the other day when he told uh, you know George Stephanopoulos, "I'm going to do it again. I'll commit treason." Yeah. And, well, authoritarians always tell you what they're going to do. Oh. They all. This is a. Wow. This. They always tell you what they're going to do, and we just don't know what to do with the information, or we don't want to believe it. I w- what shocked me was, uh, I think I said this on another show, was not even that. That that was shocking. But what really shocked me was the next day. I, I was like, okay, this is gonna. Democrats have to do something. Nope. Uh, I'm sort of at a loss for words at this point. I guess. Um, I'm still trying to figure out how a person who literally looked into an eclipse intimidates people like <laughs> i keep going back to that he just it's just yeah. amazing yeah yeah he, he talks a good game uh, yeah. and people fall for it so uh just one more question uh what can every american do to to fight this in their own way i think there everyone has their own way that they can get involved to oppose this mm-hmm. um Nonviolent mass protest is very mm-hmm. effective. We're we're kind of in an exhaustion moment, so there's mm-hmm. not much going on of that. Uh, working for clean elections for voter registration is very very important because all these other things that we debate in the press, it really all comes down to who's going to vote. If people don't vote, um, then all the rest, all the op eds, all of it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. So. That that is that is an important thing to focus on. We right, no matter what happens, and then we have to come out in such huge numbers that it'll be much That's harder right. to pull any of that nonsense. Um, That's right. Well, uh, 
Professor Ruth Ben-Ghiat, I really want to thank you for uh, talking to Counterintelligence, and I, I really hope we can do it again soon. Yes. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. Follow Forensic News on Twitter at Forensic Newsnet. Counterintelligence is at IntelPod. My personal account is Eric LeBay. Support Forensic News on Patreon. Sponsors can contact CounterPod at ProtonMail.com. Subscribe to Counterintelligence everywhere you listen to podcasts. Take care.